the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, good evening. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight on this beautiful, beautiful Resurrection Sunday 2016. Hope you've had a great, great day of remembering and celebrating 
the new life that we have as a people of God by our faith in Messiah and uh, what his finished work, what he accomplished on our behalf. By faith, we walked into a confident, secure relationship with God that isn't just for this life. Yeah, it has a lot to do with this life and in transforming our lives and preparing us for eternity. And uh, I was just um, thinking today, I was talking to Jacob as we came into the program, uh, this uh, news program. We, we were involved with our basic trainees out at Lackland Air Force Base this morning. Had a wonderful time. Over over 1,700 young men and women coming, and just a great time. One of the young men wrote on his comment slip today, Jacob, born again on Easter Sunday. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so on his comment slip, he had just come to understand the message of the gospel and decided to take that step of trusting God and trusting in in. Uh, Messiah, the work of redemption, and he realized he was born again. We can talk a little bit about that theme of born again here on Resurrection Sunday. Well, I but, find uh, it fascinating. Why would he mention that he's born again on Easter? Because he's mentioning it because it's, from his religious view, it's an anniversary, right? Well, well, I mean, we were talking about that ourselves. We were wondering, you know, this whole this whole thing, and I'm hoping maybe you can, from the Hebrew Scriptures, mm-hmm. I'm guessing... This theme of being born again, is that entirely and totally a New Testament theme? Messiah brings it up, uh, Jesus, in John chapter 3. This Nicodemus comes to him and says, don't you know, you know, you have to be born again. You must." Is that the theme of being a rebirth, a born again? Is it just like turning over a new leaf or anything? It's it's. Paul even puts it further. He says you are a new. You become a new creation. Mm-hmm. A new creative act takes place when a person is comes comes to faith in Christ, comes into the relationship with God. I was hoping maybe you could shed some well, light on that. It's fascinating. Tonight. I was referring to the fact that you used the word Easter and it being an anniversary of Easter. I see. But to answer your question and not avoid it, uh-huh. um, I would say if I'm thinking correctly, I would say that it can be a Jewish concept, but it would occur at the point of repentance, and uh, normally would be at the latest, Yom Kippur, but you can repent at any time, and when you repent and you truly, sincerely repent, it's called Teshuvah, you would be a cleansed and be a new party, a new person, because part of that is returning to accept God's commandments. Interesting. So I think that that concept would be there. I, I I suspect Yeshua got it somewhere out of uh, the con. He, he's the one actually that raises it to a level of. Now we talk fairly openly about the whole idea of being sure. born again and a new person and and, and so on and so on. And I I wondered if since our since our conversations over these years, uh-huh. I'm wondering if he didn't get it somewhere out of the. Hebrew text, somewhere the concept, the idea of being born again. But anyway, we, uh, I, I was, today is a good day perhaps to talk about that, but on my way today I was doing a lot of work this afternoon, uh, some reports and so on that we send in from our ministry uh, this morning with the basic trainees, but I, I was noticing a news story today that a suicide bomber over in Lahore, Islam, uh, Islamabad in Pakistan, uh, a suicide bomber, went in and killed 65 people, mostly women and children, mm. uh, at a park there in the city of Lahore. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, uh, as a, a, a specific and intentional attack by the Pakistan Taliban mm-hmm. uh, against uh, targeting Christians. And uh, more than 300 other people were wounded, but those killed, uh, 65 mostly women and children. And I, and I, I just, it made me think, of course, about obviously this day mm-hmm. is about the victory that God has given us over the ultimate enemy itself, death itself, and how that um, those men and women and children, the very hope and the very faith is, is that they've gone straight into the presence of their Lord and uh, and he has conquered that death uh, ultimately. I mean, when it comes down to it, that is... And ultimately, that's what it's all about, Jacob, isn't it? I mean, it's about, yeah, it's about this life and becoming better people and changing and making a better world. But ultimately, eternity trumps, you know, uh, time. You know, the the supernatural trumps the just the purely natural. The uh, in the end, we we're believing that we're going to, we are spiritual creatures destined for a spiritual. Uh, existence in, in a spiritual realm, mm-hmm. and uh, some the decision we make about God in this life somehow makes a difference when we move into uh, beyond the veil into the spiritual dimension. And well, perhaps you could, if you wow. don't mind, perhaps you could take a moment and explain to perhaps some listeners that don't understand the significance of what you're saying and how it relates to the day of Easter. Maybe you could lace that up for somebody. Yeah, I. I I, I, I wish I could in a way, and I I can in oh, some can ways. Do it better than I will. <laughs> but I, I no, I, I tell you what, I can in some ways, Jacob. But I I still, I uh, we haven't by any means, and no one that I know, no philosopher, no theologian that I know of, has cracked the the that 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 distance. God seems to have intentionally placed a distance between the spiritual dimension in our world. In other words, it's not like we can, I still don't, you, you know the the verse in the in the book of Hebrews that talks about God's word, the Bible, uh, how the, the, the Torah, how the scriptures, it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You know, uh-huh, it, uh-huh, uh-huh. The soul we can understand in our world, you know, it, it's uh-huh. our neurological, our thinking, our thoughts, our emotions, our, that, that, it, and we have a friend that came over today, and his dad is uh, uh, is gone. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's alive still, but he ha- through um, what Alzheimer's and so on. He, he's and, and Suzanne's mom went like that. We and brought up a conversation in our home today about wh- where do they go? What what is that dividing point? Spiritually, they're still there. They still exist. They're no less a person, and yet they're not. You know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. You know, it, it's uh, uh, so we. I don't think we've cracked that, and maybe intentionally God has placed this this barrier that where we can't pass and cross over that. In it, it's the hardest thing in the world for us to comprehend. Um, but so, how would that relate to this particular day of Easter? Easter it relates to it in the fact that uh, this is the reminder that Easter to me is the reminder that the solution that God has given, the provision that God has given to us in the redemptive plan of God mm-hmm. is a turnkey job. It's not just about this life, about mm-hmm. changing. I mean, yeah, it's about that. We're being transformed. We're being changed. But th- even death itself, that final enemy, uh, uh, that we all, every human being, 100% pass through that, 
even that that is where ultimately the proving ground of the gospel, the proving ground of the redemptive plan of God is there, that he delivers well, us a, even from the power of death. Is there an example you can think of that perhaps Easter is celebrated for? Well, it's celebrated because of uh, etern- uh, new life, for one. I mean, is there a guy, a person that Christians regard as, shall we say, resurrecting? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, who, am who I, the ball have, rolling, have I have oh, yeah. to do this for you? With Messiah, yeah, the whole point. Uh, we, we, Yeshua, Jesus comes. Uh, he, he's. We've been talking about these prophecies. We've been talking about him presenting himself as as this this long-awaited, predicted Messiah, this Savior, this Redeemer. And he walks by faith. He walks out the plan of redemption. He walks, lives out a perfect life of faith, trust, obedience to the Father. And then he who knew no sin becomes sin for us, and he takes the consequences of our sin. He passes through that same door, that same portal of death. But then God raises him. He, a, 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 a huge stone is removed, uh, sealed by the Roman government. It's removed from a tomb. It, something beyond our imagination and comprehension happened, and that body, that dead body, came back to life, Jacob. I, I was telling people in a class I taught this morning, when I was, a, when I was an 8-year-old boy, it was, it was just a few months after I made the decision to surrender my life to Christ and begin my walk with the Lord and uh, by faith come into a, a relationship with God. And I, this, the woman I thought that was my mother was died in a car accident. Oh, wow. And uh, the chaplain uh, who had led me to faith, he was the chaplain of the, of the boys' home where I was raised, an orphanage uh, for all boys. He drove me over to New Mexico, drove me to the uh, the funeral mm-hmm. of this woman that I had thought was my mother. Who, uh, I didn't learn till some years later, actually, that she wasn't. I had thought, always thought she was had been my mother. She had simply taken me at birth when I had been abandoned. She found me and was the one that took me in. But I remember when I went to her funeral, I I uh, was in a room full of a, you know mainly adults. Uh, she had she, she had been married uh, f- three, four, five times actually in her life, and so um, I don't know who all was there, but mainly adults. Uh, and I remember when I walked by the casket, uh, her name was Babe Hawk. One of uh, some of her names. <laughs> she had a number of aliases. I'm I'm painting her as a little bit of a strange person. She was very unusual in the person. But anyway, I I went by the coffin, and I'd already come to understand enough about Jesus from the New Testament that that he went around interrupting funerals, that that he interrupted funeral marches and funeral services by raising the dead person from the dead. And so I'd already kind of learned enough that he could do that. So when I passed by the casket, Jacob is an 8-year-old boy, I looked down, and um, you know there was this woman, and under my breath, I said, "In the name of Jesus Christ, rise." And she didn't. And I and I remember at the time. Yeah, I thought it, I, I didn't. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a crisis, you know, faith crisis for me. I was just eight. I was, you know, I thought, well, maybe I did something wrong. You know, I didn't say it right or whatever. Uh, now I realize that if she had risen from the dead, probably there'd been. 50 heart attacks in the room. 50 other people would have died uh, from heart attack. Uh, I don't know. Maybe God in his wisdom knew better than to do that. But uh, the point is, is that that's the point, is that, you know, we lose our loved ones. They go. Generations come and go. The people of God, people of God uh, 
people that love God and faithfully serve God and so on. All of humanity passes for that por- for that through that portal, but God has created us for an eternal relationship with Him, and it it would goes beyond death. And so I think when Yeshua, when Messiah, went through that same death because of our sin, sin is the cause of death. Sin brings death into the world, and and it created that. But He went through it, and then He overcame it. He came out of the grave. He literally a dead body. And the reason I told that story is because I was talking to the men and women this morning in the class that anybody ever seen a dead animal or a dead person anyone come back to life? It's just, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you can see how the disciples had such a hard time with it. You know, even they, Jesus had told them, I'm going to, I mean, but who would ever think that's just beyond the realm of our, we would not even, human beings, just normal human beings would not even think in those categories. But now, because of that event, uh, assuming it really happened, and we have to, we have to find out: did whatever happened to that body of that first century rabbi? Did where is it? If it didn't, if he didn't rise from the dead and run, come out of the grave, where is that body? And 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 what did happen? Did he just swoon and kind of recuperate in the tomb, or uh, did the disciples come and steal the body? What happened? That's the. It's a. It's an incredibly important question. But the solution that we see in the New Testament is that he did just what he said he was going to do and what the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, told us, that the body of the Messiah would not lie corrupt in the grave, that, 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 he, would, that he would be taken, uh, that he would resurrect. So uh, that's the point. That's what so happened this to this guy. this would be the day for the people who may not know a lot about it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, he would have been... As the New Testament, the Christian scriptures say he was he rose again. He was murdered on Passover. Yeah, crucified on a Roman cross. And then he came back to life today. Is, oh, oh, this is I, the day. Well, this is the day we observe okay, it. Okay, let me uh, say you know this I mean. would be the day that it's celebrated. Yes, uh huh. So that of course the, we celebrate it every day in a, in a, in a way like like Christmas. We we celebrate the coming of Messiah all through the year. But this is a special okay. day. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, but that's the concept, right? That's okay. the concept. And that's the model for all Christendom, right? Yeah, that is one of those things that we hold in common with mm-hmm. believers, Christians, whether Catholic, Protestant, okay. uh, everyone who uh, pretends to be a follower of Jesus, uh, the Christ, everyone, the Messiah. Everyone that pretends? Or claims. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I speak Spanish, and in oh, Spanish yeah. the word pretender means yeah. to claim to be. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, he's a sure. pretender to the throne. Yeah. He claims to be the throne. So I have to uh, watch out a little bit. I don't bit. mean to give you a tough time. That's all right. That's all right. But anyway, we're, we've read this past week, Jacob, uh, in our reading schedule. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we've left the book of, um, let me see, what we were. We had read through the Gospel of uh, Luke. We it fin- was. We finished. And we finished and went uh, last week and went on into the book of First Samuel. Uh-huh. This week, all of our readings were from the books of Samuel, First and yeah, Second right. Samuel, uh, chapter 14 of First Samuel on through uh, just barely into Second Samuel, yeah. chapter 2. That's right. And so uh, we can talk about it. but But as you've taught me over and over again that there is, there well, is a thread. I, I really haven't taught. I've just shared what I was yeah, taught. Yeah, I know. But there's this thread that uh, that I understand now from there's this thread that we woven throughout the the Torah, the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets, mm-hmm. right on into it's it's of one piece. This thing it's it's a it's like the garment that Jesus wore. Remember they took it off of him and it was his garment was torn and and they threw dice for his garments. Uh, 
And uh, do you remember the story that they gambled for his... Uh, I know the 22nd Psalm, or is it 23rd? Yeah, it's a 22nd oh, Psalm. Okay. Oh, well, in our, in our Psalms, sure, uh, sure. numbering of the Psalms. But I, and that's an interesting thing, because in that's Psalm 22, <laughs> it talks about his, the garments of this uh, person that's uh, described in Psalm 22. Yeah. Now, this is written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Several uh, hundred. Yeah, several hundred <laughs> years. Three, three, four, 350, something like that, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the garment, it, it describes someone, it, it's a, just a very, almost very accurate description of death by crucifixion. Mm-hmm. But, of course, crucifixion in the form that it finally came to be did, mm-hmm. still didn't exist at that time. And so uh, it, it, it's it's an amazing psalm. It talks about uh, this person being publicly humiliated, hung out, his ribs are showing, and so on. They thrust a spear into my side. I mean, it's an amazing description mm-hmm. of later on what became the actual crucifixion scene mm-hmm. on, on on Golgotha, uh, the Mount, Mount Golgotha. I and mean, you, you have something to tell us about that tonight. But uh, Jesus died there. But uh, the, the oh, what was the point I was going to make is that he, it's his description. But it even came down to the detail of it. They took, in Psalm 22, it says, take, they took my garments and they cast lots. They gambled. Mm-hmm. And that's turns out that's exactly what happens on Golgotha in Jerusalem these hundreds of years later. The soldiers took his garment, which seemingly was the only thing of value he had. And it was a special kind of seamless garment that, that didn't have seams in it or something woven of one piece, and they gambled for it, and somebody won it. So it's an interesting sidelight. But the, I was going to say, the message of the redemption is a seamless piece, like that garment from old floating right into the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And I really want our listeners, um, Jew and Gentile listeners, those who love God and follow God and trust in God, I, I, I want, I'm more and more wanting us to appreciate that fact that there's one message, there's one redemptive plan of God, one message. It flows. It's beautiful. We should, we can all celebrate it. Uh, that that's my hope and dream, and of course what uh, we share in our in our ministry and so on. And of course you you help us a lot, us Gentile believers. You you bring us up to speed. You make a you connected a lot of these dots for me, Jacob, over the years, and I I really mean that. That's. Um, you may be doing unleashing something <laughs> that you didn't know in us Gentile believers when you kind of put us in connection again well, with you know, the roots you, of our faith. Yeah. And since you mentioned that we're doing the book of Samuel, uh-huh. Samuel, remember just a couple of weeks ago we finished the book of Esther. Yes, yes. Esther is actually, if you put an H in front of it, it becomes like Hester, okay? And that is a Hebrew word for hidden. Hidden. Why okay. is it hidden? Because God's name doesn't actually appear in the Hebrew version uh, in the book of Esther. And in Hebrew, we say, we say in English, the, the book. But the book is actually would be called the Megillah. Megillah has two meanings. It's not Gilligan's Island or anything. No, like that's that. a great joke. It's not that either. Okay, all right. But, um, <laughs> the, but it has two meanings. One, it means can mean the scroll, uh-huh. you know, like a book, but a scroll. Or it can mean... Revelation. So it's really, now look at the word, Revelation of the Hidden Esther. What an interesting name for that book. So Esther, and we all know that, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because I wanted to share just a little bit for a couple minutes about this, because what's so fascinating is who is the bad guy, the the antagonist in the book of Esther is a guy named Haman. Haman, yes. Haman is a descendant of King 
Agog, Agog, which appears in tonight's reading in the book of Samuel. Is Agog a Philistine? No. Uh, he's a Mo- Moab? Uh, no, Amalekites. King of Amalekites. Okay, yeah. And so, now, it starts coming into focus, may I say, that when Saul was told to kill this guy, and he didn't do it, had he followed God's obey orders, perhaps Esther might never appear. Because now let's go back and take a look. So Haman comes along, and what is his goal? His goal is to kill all Jews. Now this is going to be fascinating. I, I love this. I hope I can do it justice. I, a lot of times I have difficulty explaining. How much time before the break? But this is right. Uh, well, just got a couple of minutes, actually, well, before the break. let me read this. And so you know that in the book of Esther, chapter 9, uh-huh. the listing of all of the ten children of Haman's children are listed by name that are hung. Okay. Now, inside their names is a, a letter. Uh, four letters occur, and they're half the size of the regular letters in the Hebrew. And I'm going to read something from the New York Times, and I'm going to tell everybody where to verify and look at this themselves. And those four letters well, are this, this a, a kind of prophecy, going, right? This paragraph will explain it better than I can. Okay. And I apologize. I didn't. I forgot. Well, if my we get interrupted tonight. W- Maybe we should leave it kind of okay. as a, a right. come back. That's and, a good and teaser, it. right? Yeah, there you go. That okay. makes people hang on. Right. You're going to want to hear this, folks. Honestly, out right of the New York Times, the, remember that the Hebrew language, Hebrew uh, letters, have numeric values, each of them. And so you're going to remember that. You're going to remember a date. You're going to remember the time of Hitler. Uh, the, at the end of the time, the reign of Hitler, the fall of the uh, the Third Reich, and so on. And it's going to be an amazing little journey that Jacob is going to bring us on. And we're going to come back and we're going to get, oh, ans- ask you some questions from the books of First and Second Samuel. Uh, we'll uh, yeah, give because you some this you weekend call of course, was, was Easter, but for the Jews it was called what's Purim, Purim, which, yes, which originates in uh, the book of Esther. And it means like casting lots. Which the book of Esther happened as a result of some events that took place in the book of First and Second Samuel. That's right, and we're going we to read this week as we go into Samuel and tie it into the book of Esther. You see what I mean? It's a it's it's a flowing message. It it's of one piece. It flows along. So we uh, we'll come back with that in just a bit. Uh, and we hope that you'll stay with us through the uh, next hour. Three four zero ninety five eighty five is our phone number. Three four zero nine five eight five. You'll be able to join us, answer questions, tell us some of your thoughts about this Easter Sunday, what it means to you, uh, and uh, maybe something about how you observed Easter and celebrated that new life we have in our relationship with God. Take care, folks. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a little bit with the rest of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. 
Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to one we had got our oil done before, it would take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They were vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor Carpet Cleaning Expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor. Carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535. If you're new to San Antonio and want to find a church that fits your needs or just want to learn more about a church in the area, go to the church directory page at kslr.com. That's kslr.com. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar? Of all kings, we are back. This is the Bible Live, the quiz show. We try to help you experience the scriptures, read through the scriptures each and every year. Right now, in our particular reading schedule, we have just finished reading chapters, First uh, Samuel chapters fourteen to the end of the book, and then into Second Samuel into chapter two. And uh, that's what we read this past week. And so we invite you to answer some questions. We'll give some questions based on coming out of those readings. But what we've just kind of talked about during the first segment was how the Bible is truly, once you've read through it a few times, you begin to discover there's this, there's this continual rolling out of the redemptive plan of God. There's one plan, one salvation, one redemption, redemptive plan, but it is rolled out sequentially over time, and our understanding of it gets greater and greater. It's like a if you've ever watched a movie film in a projector, if you put the screen too close, it's kind of out of focus, but as you move it back and move it back, you finally hit that point where it's the the sweet spot where the the image is perfectly clear and it makes sense and you can understand it perfectly and well. Before, I think, as we go through the years now, the redemptive plan of God is rolling out and, and throughout the Bible. And finally, and we're told in the book of Hebrews, in, in fact, that the image is perfect. That's what we finally see when Messiah has come. He demonstrates and he reveals to us clearly 
a God himself, the character of God, and the redemptive plan in a w- clearer than ever before. But why uh, does he reveal? What What does he reveal? No, why? Why? Because, you know, in the Christian Because he scri- wants to be known, well, in, the, right? in the Christian scriptures, that you talk about the book of Revelation. The word revelation would be Megillah in Hebrew. Now, the book of Esther is called... The revelation of the hidden book of Esther, basically, is what it translates to. But let me go back, because we agreed that I would read this. Yes, from the go New York for it. Times. Yeah, I was trying to build up to reintroduce, in case oh. somebody's just joining us. Oh. How do we reintroduce this? Ah, what? reintroduce the Yeah, we. Okay, let's start at the beginning. What's your name? <laughs> Hi, okay. okay. Well, we've got Mike and Harold on the line okay. as well. Let me read this paragraph go real quick. From now. the New York Times, okay, right? Okay, now I want to tell you for years and years and years, the Jewish sages forever have taught that if a letter appears because remember the numbers are also letters in hebrew so if the letters appear at a different size than the regular size of the letters that it means something significant well in the ten names of haman's sons was hung and remember haman's goal was what yes to kill all the jews what was hitler's goal to kill all the jews right so when they hung not Hitler, because he was dead as Haman was dead in the book of Esther, uh, when they hung the ten arch supporters of Hitler, one of them, they're all German, but one of the Germans was an absolute expert in Hebrew. In Hebrew. And he knew what it meant. And just for they hung him, he actually yelled out loud, Purim, and he said, Purim Fest 1946. So I'm going to go back to that in a minute, but let me read you what appeared in the New York Times after the hangings at Nuremberg. So this article is dated back in the... Yes, I'm going to give you the date and tell you to find everything. Okay, and I apologize. I do not have my glasses, but I will do the best I can reading them. Uh, And this is a selected paragraph which explains, Fascinatingly, one who looks in the book of Esther that they will find four Hebrew letters in Haman's son's names that utilize small instead of large or big letters. Jewish sages have taught throughout the generations that whenever there is a variation in the size of a letter or the spelling of a word, it has a specific meaning. Thus, if these four letters are put together and used as a Jewish number, the record, it becomes the recording of the years. Now remember, Esther's written a long time ago. Continuing, it says, It states the year... 5707. On the Jewish calendar, 5707 was the year on which the Jewish calendar that the ten Nazi war criminals were hung for committing genocide against the Jewish people. Now that date, that date is the, in the book of Esther. Now, you and I can talk about prophecy, and we say, oh, I interpret it this way. Either. The one thing we cannot get around is when it gives a date. And by the way, it's not the only place in the Torah or in the Tanakh, the, what you call the Old Testament, that actually gives a date. But what's fascinating is this, is that it says a date. Now, so you're reading these ten, and you're thinking, what has this got to do with anything? But it was the idea that Haman's goal was to commit wipe out all Jews. What was Hitler's goal? To wipe out wipe all out the Jews. Jews yeah. So, what happened is when this German, who was an expert in Hebrew, one of the ten, got on the, be, to be the hung, gallows. Yeah. yeah, he he yelled, and you can find it in the articles. I'm going to tell you where to find them. 
He yelled, and it was in the New York Times. He says, Perm Fest 1946. Those letters, when I read you just now, it says 5707. I translated that. If you translate that into English, it'll be the day of Perm 1946. 1946. Now, that should give people goose pimples. <laughs> and and what I'm saying is, so. and how do we know it's on this day, the 10, and it gives the date in the 10. But you don't know it means it until it actually occurs in 1946. Now, I, and I, I've given you a copy of this, so you can look at it yourself and verify to the audience that the letters are smaller. It is a date. In the Hebrew, uh, it's like, say, 5707, because the Jews count from, the, from Adam, which is the completion of the world, the years. The and Jews, do they have a lunar year? Or no, something? don't worry about that. Oh, okay, that that'll right. get us all gummed up. All right. Um, so <laughs> what happens is, is, but the Christians, of course, they count from... Jesus. So, and so, but the Jews count from Adam because he was the last step in creation. So, when creation was complete, that's when the time began for the Jews. So, w- that would be 1946. And so, what happens is now this year, right now, for the Jews on their calendar is 5,776. But this took place on Purim in the year, and the dates are determined by those four small letters. Now, that and then when it happened, it was actually in the New York Times. Now, anybody would like to look this up, I'm going to tell everybody where they can Google, for those that Google. And you can find it and look at the article in the newspapers, and it'll explain everything. And it's there. And it was in the New York Times. Of course, a lot of Jews in New York, you know. And, <laughs> right. But, uh, but here's, uh, here's what it's, you Google. Purim Fest. That's P-U-R-I-M-F-E-S-T. Perm Fest 1946. It'll pop up and it'll go right down through all the stuff. And by the way, thanks to an English teacher that contacted us during the break, <laughs> I would like to say <clears throat> I mispronounced something and I was corrected, and she is right. Uh, it, the Haman's sons were not hung. Hmm. As she said, you, you pictures are hung, people are hanged. So the, the sons were hanged. So all those people who want to know that I can actually accomplish a correction, <laughs> right. I can. Don't we just love our retired English teachers? We yes. just think <laughs> okay, no. we need it so much here in the land of radio. Well, thank you for calling in. By the way, we've got a couple of other callers. I want to take well, a call. Let's in get moment. those, and I would like to add one more. All right, let's uh, let's go and bring Mike up. I think Mike is uh, first on the program tonight. Hi, Mike. Uh, hi, it's happy. Good to hear uh, from you. Happy Easter. Well, uh, hi. Hi, happy Easter. I, I wanted to, to thank you both so much uh, for the program. Uh, it's really meant a lot to me over the years. That, and um, your you love, Sophie, uh, for the uh, the Hebrew scriptures. Um, I'm just so impressed with the debt of gratitude we have to the Jewish uh, people and nation mm-hmm. and Jacob for preserving the law preserving the, the Hebrew text and, um, and, te- and, I, and I really teaching us it. and teaching us. That's so important, isn't it? Uh, yes. These things are yes, always so enriching to our faith. Uh, I, I have a debt of gratitude to Cal Fowley's Boy Ranch also, and uh, I, I'm very grateful for, for you, so you just you, you bring the best out of all of us. Thanks, Mike. Anyway, so, um, so 5707 is the the, the 5,707 years after Adam? That is correct. The, the Christians, as you know, for the Christians, this is the year 2016. And they begin, it's on the denominator, you know, the year of the Lord the, uh-huh. the Christ, Jesus. 
But the Jews, when the last act of creation, which was the creation of Adam, begins, that's when the earth, this material, physical world, begins. That's when their calendar begins. So, uh, and it starts, you know, with year one, day one. So then it continues on. And 5707 would translate to, in our terms in English, 1946. When were these ten people hung? 1946. And what's always remarkable to me is the date has been in the book of Esther. Now, I know the English reader will totally not get it because it's not yeah. there, and it doesn't mean that. I don't guess we reduce the size of the letters on those te- at that yeah, point, but, do we? And so, but it's there, and so when you read it, you think. And what's interesting, Michael, is this. To me, it's interesting, and I, I would encourage everybody to be interested. Because as the quote Mark Twain, I find the smartest people agree with me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so what you've got is, it's what's going on? This is Purim. What happened at Purim? The Jews were saved. Who were they saved from? Haman. Who was Haman? He was a descendant that we'll read about in Samuel in a couple minutes. And, and Saul was told to kill King Agak, the Amalekite. Saul spared him. Now... And Haman is his descendant. Now, interesting, Mordecai is understood to be a descendant of King Saul. So we have these interaction occurring once again. And what happens is, Haman, of course, was killed. But then his ten sons were hanged. And But Hitler, of course, was killed. Correctly. But when his ten sons, uh, I'm sorry, when the ten, uh, ten support, top supporters of Hitler were hung. They were hung on Purim, 1946, exactly the date that's written in small letters in amongst the names of the ten sons of Haman. And like I say, if you Google that, you'll find that the one expert in Hebrew, who was a German, but he's an expert, he actually yells out before they drop him and hang him, Purim Fest, 1946. He knew and see, you see, and what did Haman want to do? He wanted to exterminate all Jews. What did Hitler want to do? He wanted to exterminate all Jews. And sometimes in the Bible we find this really difficult thing when God says, hey, take, you know, do something, kill those guys. Well, we don't do it. We're looking for, you want to call it prophecy? Okay. Had Saul done that, maybe his descendant Haman would have never been able to issue that. And maybe in in the Jewish world, Hitler is considered, uh, if not physically, certainly a spiritual idea of the of Haman himself. So it's a it's the same extermination was supposed to take place uh, by Haman. It was corrected. Then years later, and it actually says 1946. And anybody can Google it. You put then you put in the computer Perm Fest 1946. It'll pop up. And you can read the New York Times. Interesting. Mike, any, any reaction or response? I, my mind is kind of whirling around here with the, with what Jacob is sharing about, you know, about the Amalekites, about Agog back in the time of Samuel and so on. What, what are your response or thoughts about it? Oh, thanks for asking something. I, I, I mean, just one more interesting, interesting uh, fact about the Bible. I, I, actually, um, I wanted to talk about the resurrection. Um, and um, yeah, go first, for it. Corinthians, first Corinthians fifteen seven, I think, says that five hundred persons saw Jesus um, 
alive after the crucifixion. Yes. I, I, I don't know, but I think it's First Corinthians chapter 15, I take the 7. Yeah, you're right. Uh -huh. And, um, well, anyway, uh, that's so important to me because, um, uh, well, it proves that he conquered sin on the cross and he conquered death. And he promised us resurrection also. And since um, he did it, we can do it because he said we could do it. And having faith in him, um, we know um, that it can be done and we have eternal life waiting for us um, if we just um, we believe in, in him as our Lord and Master and, and obey, um, obey his, his, his uh, well, the, the Bible, the, the Hebrew teachings, or our teachings, we, we know uh, we can't do it altogether. Um, I believe there's a sin of um, omission, that everybody's, there's no just man, no not one. There's sins of commission, there's sins of omission. And who has not committed a sin of omission? I, I commit sins of omission every day. And that unknown sin that, that David um, asked God, reveal it to me, I think unknown sins it's, it's like we have in our, our own laws ignorance of the law is no excuse and we're going to go before our final master and say I, I I believe in the law to save me and he's going to say well you've sinned right here oh I didn't even know about that ignorance of the law is no excuse young man you cannot come in sin cannot come into heaven so we all have to admit that we failed someplace we trust in Jesus rather than the, the law. Because this, the, law the role of Messiah is to, he's that atoning lamb, the lamb of God, John the Baptist called him, the, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who, our atonement, our cleansing, our forgiveness. Uh, God's justice is satisfied as his wrath, as his judgment is poured out on Messiah on our behalf. Uh, he Amen. who no sin became sin for us. It's, a, it's just such a beautiful Amazing thought, Mike. I told a group of men and women this morning in our Bible studies that if I ever have a crisis of faith anymore as a believer, it, it's it's simply because <clears throat> at times I think this is just all too good to be true. It's too beautiful. It's too. It's just too perfect, you know. And you think, uh, but of course, in my saner moments, I realize that it really did take place. It really did happen. It's not just theory. It's just not a philosoph philosophical thought. The body of that first century rabbi really did disappear. Uh, it, it came out of the grave. And uh, of course, if you want a sign or a, or an, uh, something to give you, uh, there's nothing like. That's kind of a unique way to. Here, here's what I'm going to show you. Uh, sure. You're on the right may path. May I interject a thought here? Please Soapy. do. Yes. All right, Mike. Uh, what, uh, so Soapy's talking about his faith and his belief, and and we all know that that's good. But it's faith and belief, and this is one reason. Since Purim occurred this weekend, along today being Easter, I wanted to give some people what's well, not just faith. It's not just belief. While I recognize that's absolute essential. I want to say that if you were given a date in the Bible, like we I was talking about in Hester, that kind of removes even faith and belief. You've got something kind of oh, yeah, that, exactly. So, 
that gives a certain credibility and integrity and truthfulness to the Bible itself. And, and to its message, yeah, this redemptive plan that's being rolled out. But it's not the only time dates are given, actually, isn't it? Oh, there's that? one like, that I, I, I don't want to go into detail, but there's one that actually gives the date. The date that the country of Israel was reestablished in 1948. But we'll talk about that. Oh, when we get to it, right? In the book of Daniel, there's some incredible dates Uh, given as well. That's true. uh, That you can track down the number of years and so on. That's why you and Mike are talking about faith and belief, and I Mm -hmm. got that. But Mm -hmm. you know, and you know as well as I do, there are a lot of people that don't have that faith or don't have that belief. And even revelation or prophecy can be made by good, sincere people that have different interpretations. But the one thing, Mike, we can't debate is that it gives you a date. You look at it really. Matt, that's a date. (laughs) Boy, thank you for your expertise. Well, I'm not telling you anything. Mike, that's nice of you. Uh, but I must tell you, I'm not telling you anything that I wasn't told. <laughs> <laughs> we all, might. but no, I, and I agree with you, Mike. What you said earlier that uh, for our our the Jewish people, uh, well, I have to say this. Last week you talked to us about the fact that one of the evidences that would also be supportive of the role of Yeshua, the Messiah, is that. <clears throat> that his life reflects in some way the experience of Israel, uh, the, the rebirth of Israel after all those mm-hmm. centuries and so on and so on. Uh, the idea that, you know, they rose from the dead in a way as well. They were well, brought back. That's one of the uh, the form of prophecy that I, I would suggest that the Christian reader technically is not familiar with. Right. Because if there were no New Testament, in fact, may I suggest that uh, last week when we were talking and we finished Luke, uh, Jesus comes along, he appears, and he talks to these two guys after the story says he resurrected. It's called the road to Emmaus. I think it's Emunah, which is he, faith. Road to so, faith. On the road well, to right. faith. So, but he, it says he opened their mind to the scriptures. So he had to explain it to them according to that little vignette to that story. So how the prophets and, yeah, and but the, my the point law is this: if you didn't th- have the New Testament, they to how would you know? And so a lot of times when Jews people say, "Oh, well, the Jews didn't recognize him," I say, "Okay, well, you wouldn't know either if you weren't looking at your New Testament or the Christian scriptures, because how would you know?" Well, the answer to that is, where does the idea of a Messiah come? There's not a chapter in the book that says the Messiah shall do A, B, C. What you have to know is how to read not the part of the uh, prophecy of a Messiah idea, because the Messianic idea of the Messiah is a Jewish idea. And so what it comes along, it comes along actually from the story. Right out of the text, out right. of the story, so out of the narrative. Look at of the, the old, visual of the aid Testament. example, if I may quote somebody I know, and uh, the visual aid example gives us, a, so the characteristics, the attributes, shall we say, of, we'll call it the Messiah, is existed and born in the world before the guy comes along. So if you see all these things, then you say, oh, well, this sure matches, this sure matches. So if you did not have the New Testament, you would, if you knew how to read and understand on a different way the story itself is creating an attribute, you would be able to determine, perhaps, that this is the Messiah. The character and work of the Messiah is reflected in the life experience, the history of this people group. Yes. It comes right out of... It's it's an amazing thought, and yet it is... If we look at it, as we talked last week, I guess we don't want to repeat the same things from last week, but... Uh, it's an astounding thought. I, I would enjoy hearing it. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, we're learning. You know, I we're, we're picking it, it up slowly but surely. 
Go ahead, first, Mike. Self, I have to read it, read it, read then. I've got to get to get the hang of it. Uh, yeah. Oof. It's almost like a. It's not a bomb. But I won't call it. It's a. It's like the pitcher of oil with the the the, the widow woman that uh, gave uh, oil to Elisha. You know. Right, yeah. It's like it's this bottomless uh, pitcher. You know. It just. Truth and blessing just keeps coming up from the scriptures. As we un- the better and deeper we understand it, the more and more we see the, the beauty. That's what I mean. I, I just oh, at times I'm just overwhelmed with the beauty and the logic and the, uh, the power of. Well, the and I would like to say narrative. this. Here's one of the issues, um, and I will say, look, in the Torah, the first five books, it tells us one of the attributes of the Messiah, basically, because it talks about if a guy comes along and says this and it, and it doesn't happen, don't believe him, etc., etc. So, if the Messiah came, now I know I'm going to run to a little wrinkle here with uh, with some of the non-Jewish listeners, but if the Messiah comes, and let's say it was Jesus, and he says anything that teaches other than the Torah, then the Jews say, well, he's not the Messiah, because he can't, because the Torah says he must teach Torah. So, and it does say that. It's in Deuteronomy. And he must teach it. Now, I assert, from my examination, um, and, and uh, you know, I'm Jewish, obviously, but I'm looking and say, you know, he's teaching Torah. Now, if it's not the miracles, can a guy rise from the dead in the Jewish thought? Of course he can. God can do anything. He can raise a guy from the dead. That's a miracle. So uh-huh. there's miracles. Big deal. That's miracles from a Jewish point of view. Well, they are kind of a big but deal. If, but okay. Even a bad guy <laughs> might be able to come back from the dead. I don't know. But if he comes back from the dead, but he says anything other than teaching the Torah, in the Jewish frame of reference, because it says in the Torah, he cannot be the Messiah. And, he, and Yeshua passes that exam as far as you've been able to as ascertain. As far as I'm able to determine. This I, in point, fact, yeah. many of the things I hear, if I may say, with all fairness, what I hear a lot of Christian preachers and other people say, I look and I say, well, that's not what that means. He's actually teaching because I learned this. A lot of people, I think he was a great Jewish rabbi. And uh, when people come by and say, well, he was changing the law, I say, well, you don't understand that if you say he's changing the law, he couldn't possibly be the Messiah. That's from a Jewish But he didn't change the law, did he? I did not come, he said, to change the law or to do away with it. I've come to fulfill it. And And what's the rest of the verse? What's the rest of the verse? Mike, Mike, you talked about this before. Heaven and earth will pass away. Uh So it gives us two witnesses. Right, Mike? Five. (laughs) Five witnesses. (laughs) Fine. Oh, okay. All right, okay. But the the heaven and the earth are still here. So God's law has not gone away because he says, until heaven and earth disappear, they're not gone. So they're still here. God's law still applies. Who is on hold? Right. Oh, yes, I I understand. I I remember um, you're completing that that, uh, verse for me. Yes. Thank you. Th- thank you, Mike. I Thanks, Mike, for calling in. We appreciate well, hearing from you tonight. Let's run over and catch our friend Harold, who's calling in tonight as well on this Resurrection Sunday. Harold, good to hear from you. Hey, guys. How you? Hi. How's it going today? Doing great. How'd, you re- how'd your Easter Sunday go? Oh, Easter went pretty well. Uh, I gave my mother a call tonight, and she said one of her lady friends took her Easter egg hunting, if you can believe that, at 82 <laughs> years old. Great. Well, yeah, 82 was, or two years old, they they would appreciate an Easter egg hunt. That's yeah, right. yeah, I was the second one to call her. My sister beat me to it. But I'm going to have to add lip to that a little bit. You know, I, I mentioned a while back I had uh, a, a few cell 
cancer cells in my shoulder or something. So last Wednesday, they, you know, I got like a two-inch little cut there, and they removed something, you know, something in there. So I haven't been reading the scriptures as well as I thought. I thought I could read them in in pain, but I guess I couldn't. So I'm going to have to add mid tonight. And, um, you know, I I was, I know it's, Resurrection topic. Yeah, just, a, just, just a minute or two before we go into our top of the hour break. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. And uh, well, Michael, Mike had said that 500 people have you know solved Christ after He risen. Uh-huh. And you know we know today that hundreds of thousands of people believe that it happened. Yes. And uh, the story that you had said about you being a little boy and going to that. Funeral. Yes, my the uh, the woman I thought was my mother when she died. Right, yeah. and you had said, you know, rise. Yes. You know, you know. I'll be honest with you. You know, back in 1983, my my dad's sister had died in a murder suicide, and her 18 year old daughter was there. I mean, I'm no preacher, no Sophie Dollar or anything like that, but it was so distraught for her to have to lose her and she um, she actually said, "Why don't you?" Why don't God raise her from the dead? And I just came out of me and I said, Man, he already did. She's in heaven. <laughs> and that's, that's what the, the resurrection hope. theme is about, I believe. It's every day. Yes. That's our hope. Yeah. That's our confidence. That's our faith and our trust. You couldn't have said it better, brother, I think, out of, uh, out of uh, real life experience. Thank you, Harold, for calling in. Got to run on now, take our top of the hour break. Don't you go, go away, folks. 340-9585. We'd love to hear from you. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar? Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live, the quiz show. We've uh, really not been typical uh, tonight, but we have yet to even put out a question. But we've kind of gotten into these, seeing the the scriptures, the Bible presentation, the narrative of the scriptures as one piece. And we kind of caught up in, in demonstrating and illustrating that through the date that we find here in the book of Esther which we traced back to the book of Samuel because, uh, and we read about that this week is that, um, one of the great mistake that King Saul made <clears throat> was that he did not obey the Lord in terms of, uh, killing, uh, the king of the, um, of the Amalekites, this, uh, King Agog. And of course it was his descendants, Agog's descendants who came in uh, ultimately in, in Haman in the book of Esther, threatening the very existence of the, the people of Israel. Uh, and it's just, uh, and Jacob has really been taken by that, and, I, and I, I am too. I mean, I'm amazed, I'm astounded that they, but there's so many pictures of that over and over again, it seems like in the Hebrew Scriptures, Jacob, 
it well, seems like it's the same story over and over because as we yes. were talking during the break, I, I knew what you're coaxing me to say here, so I will say. Okay. Um, it is because uh, King Agog, he is a what we'd call in our world illegitimate grandchild of Esau. Esau was the progenitor of the Amalekites. And you, this is found First Samuel chapter fifteen. If you yeah, want to read yeah, about in fact, uh, Agog were, himself, in, yeah. in fact, uh, you'll find it since you mentioned it in First Samuel fifteen three, because he was told to kill King Agog. He did not, and that was his sin. And because of that, he was removed as king. Now Samuel came, and then so what happened is David becomes king. So what's fascinating though is when you go back and you look at. Uh, King Agog. Where did Agog come from? He he came from Esau. Now, you remember the story when Jacob's coming back. He fights, and there's different views on this. He fights an angel or whoever, and then he goes back and he deals with Esau. Before he becomes, uh, restores the relationship with Esau. Yes, and if you look so closely, when he goes on to Sukkot, it says, he says, uh, Jacob or Israel, says to Esau, uh, okay, you go on ahead and I will meet you again in the future. It's right there in Genesis. <laughs> and so the descendants, okay. the people, come up. Okay? Now, isn't that fascinating? Now, now I'm going to tell you, later the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Esau, they had different elements of religion. When that got amalgamated, it became into Babylon, and it became gods, and then one of their primary gods, the supreme god, some say, was a god named Nanar, which became the moon god, which today has become Islam. So, so it's the same story going right back to Esau, Haman, uh, and through Hitler yeah. and the whole thing. It's all, and today we're doing the same thing. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is a popular question I ask students. If you could have killed Hitler and prevented all that world war and all those people dying, would you do it? Well, most people say, well, if I know, I would do it. Some attempts were made, sure. yes. So, but would you do it? And the point is, we got in this story, and it seems so hard to understand, why kill this guy? Well, it's because God said, what's going to happen in the future is not going to be so good. And look what we're dealing with today. All the remnants and those elements that actually form. Now, I do want to say this. I know I say that's from modern-day Islam. For the religion, that's true. I know many Muslim folks, as human beings, they can be kind and considerate and wonderful people. But I do consider the religion to be rather wacko. Now that's my editorial. But I w- and so I, and when you go and trace it back, you find that they yeah. worship the moon god. Tell me that's not what they do today. Yeah, and it, it's that conflict that goes on forever. Yeah, which leads to such a terrible, terrible things. Uh, a, a perspective of a whole different perspective of yeah. life and the value of life. And we opened our program with this: these bombers, the, the suicide sure. bombers, yeah. killing. Uh, women and children and, and on Easter Sunday. Uh, it's just, it's lunacy, and yet that is the kind of thing that rises, the kind of wickedness uh, that can rise from from error when we, when we don't... Uh, religion can actually be a terrible thing. Religious... That's why I always emphasize to uh, men and women as we teach that uh, Christianity in its essence, in its core... Is not a religion. Now, everybody knows there is a religion called Christianity. It takes many different forms and denominations and groups and so on. And you see them worshiping in little huts, and you sometimes see them in cathedrals. And there's a lot of variety in it. But as a religious system, uh, uh, it, it, it 
it, uh, it it does exist. We know that. But Christianity at its core is not a religious system. Jesus, the Yeshua, the Messiah, didn't come to found a new religion. He, he came to, so that men and women could be reconciled to the Savior. And so uh, we got to, that's why I, I say that from time to time. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, a dynamic interpersonal relationship with God himself through made possible through the work of Messiah. Let's go to our phones, Jacob. We kind of get wrapped up and carried away with some of these things. Uh, Tammy is on the line with us. We'd love to hear from you, Tammy. Thanks for calling. Hi. How did your Easter Sunday go, your Resurrection Sunday? Oh, just fine. Thank you. Actually, I was reading the the Megillah and the Book of Esther today, and I was looking at the... um, at the words, I even found the letters that, that Jacob was talking about. And oh, good! I'm looking at my to, Bible now. It doesn't it doesn't show it in the uh, in our English versions, does it? No, it does not. You have to look in the Hebrew. I see. You have okay. to look in, in in the God's language. All right, there you go. Hey, Sophie, here. I mean, God isn't speaking Spanish. Sophie, take, All my Spanish. Take a look at this copy. I've got it marked for you. Take okay, a look good. It. I'm looking at it now too with you, Tammy. Yeah, it, it, the first letter that's little is the is the Tav, and I looked that up, and that's equal to four hundred. And then the next one, and that's in the first the first name, the first one. And then you count two, three, four, five, six, seven, and there's a little sheen, and the sheen is three hundred. So there's seven hundred, and then the last one has um, has a Zion. And that's the number seven. Oh, I see so the little half size letter. Now, now yeah. I'm seeing it. So yeah. the date is there. And I got to tell you, and, and even the, the expert in Hebrew, who was a German guy that got hung, by the way, and his name is Julius Streicher. You can look him up. Just type in Purim Fest 1946. He knew it. And he said, Purim Fest 1946. He knew. I wonder. I wonder what that triggered in his mind or in well, his he, own he life. He was an expert in Hebrew, and he knew the date was given when the ten descendant sons of wow. Hitler, which are the ten supporters of Hitler, would be home. You'd think hanged, that might have hanged, triggered faith hanged. in his life. Yes. Huh? You'd think that that might have triggered well, faith they were, at some level. Actually, without getting too much detail, they were rewriting the Bible, and they were taking out the Jews and putting in the Aryans, the race, the, Jew, the Jews. Uh-huh, I see. Hitler was doing that. And, and and I suppose this and this person was okay. part of that process. Yeah, he was. He was. What else, Tammy? You you you've shown us in the I have, the, the, I have, the passages I have are there. One other comment. I have one other comment. Let's let's hear it. Yes. Um, happy birthday, Jacob. All right. <laughs> Jacob was born not hatched. I didn't know that. I, I'm. That's right. He was, and it's his happy birthday today. Well, how I'm about you? I'm never asking Yay, uh, Jacob! We're uh, glad you were born. Exactly. Happy birthday to you. Who are you that's calling in? <laughs> <laughs> Tammy knows these things. Yay, Jacob, for being born. Yeah, I know. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> you, you let the cat out of the bag. Well, we uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it, though, even if he doesn't. Thank you for letting us uh, know. I didn't know that. I really didn't, Tammy. That, thanks for. I'm glad to know it. We'll have to do okay. something appropriate. Give him a, one of the. How many spankings would have to give you if we did that? Uh, well, I tradition? don't know. Let's quickly move back to the topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling in. It's so good to hear from you, Tammy. God bless you here on Resurrection Sunday. We're uh, excited to hear from you. You can give us a call if you'd like. Thanks a lot. (laughs) 340-9585. We don't mind hearing from you about 
your celebration, your observance, your uh, marking the day of resurrection, what it means to you, maybe something from the sermon you heard today from your pastor and your, uh, the folks you worship with, uh, you can give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 340-9585. Let's uh, you slip in just a couple of questions. Why not? You got some questions from Samuel. Which ones did, well, I, we did you circle? Well, we about him sparing King Agog. Okay. But there is a fascinating one here. Okay. And uh, you're number 10. All I right. I've got my glasses from perhaps you can I got it. I can do it. Okay. David. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like oh, this yeah. one. Oh, yeah. David killed Goliath. Now, everybody knows that story, right? David and Goliath. <clears throat> With one stone from his slingshot. Where did he hit Goliath? I mean, where did the stone uh, he aimed? I guess I was assuming he aimed for that. Uh, David killed Goliath with one stone from his slingshot. Where did the stone hit Goliath? It's in chapter 17, verse 49. What else, Jacob? Well, okay. Um. And and that brings gives rise to this whole theme of David and Goliath, which also feeds forward into our story of uh, Yeshua and his uh, his um, uh, crucifixion. Uh, on what hill was Jesus crucified outside of Jerusalem? Maybe someone could call and give us the answer to that. On what hill was Jesus crucified Outside of Jerusalem. Give me the answer to that. If you can give us a call, 340-9585. On what hill was Jesus crucified? And it has to do, funny enough, interestingly enough, uh, Jacob has been teaching us, it it connects. It has to do with Goliath. I I don't know why I never put those two things together. You'd think so. Well... I don't know, but we've done it now. That's the important All right. thing. All right. What else you got? What other questions? Well, I'd like to skip over to your, and I'd like to tie it in if I can. You're number 30. Would you mind reading it? I haven't got my glasses. Yeah. Who brought the news of the death of Saul and Jonathan to David, mm-hmm. and what happened to them? They're very interesting little details. Mm-hmm. Uh, David is there waiting uh and Saul, King Saul, uh, his predecessor on the throne, the first king of Israel, uh, and his and he has his sons there with him in the battle with the Philistines. And Jonathan, of course, this great friend of David, they had become very close friends. Uh, they were killed in the battle with the Philistines. Who brought the news of Saul's death to David and Saul and Jonathan? And, the answer, and what happened to him? Yeah, but the answer is revealing. Second Samuel in the yeah. book of Second Samuel, chapter one, verse, verse fifteen. Second exactly. Samuel one fifteen. The answer is very interesting on the theme that we've been talking about this evening right. um, about these people groups mm-hmm. and where they come from. Who brought the news of Saul and Jonathan's death to David, and what happened to that individual? Right. Okay, you want to do? A, do we have a couple of callers? Or uh, yeah, let's. I think we do. Do we? <laughs> I guess we do. Who, One caller. On? Okay, let's quickly go. And Harold is calling back. Either something he forgot to say, or a question that has been raised in his mind for you, Jacob. For me. Yes, I do have a question for Jacob. Let's you know, hear it. Uh, let's hear it. Yeah, uh, Jacob, you had mentioned early off, early in the program about a small book or a small scroll. So I had time while I was waiting, and it, I 
I'm not sure if the book is in Revelation chapter 10, verse 2, you know, where it says he had a small scroll. That's in the ESV, but then in the King James Version, it actually says he had a in his hand a little book and opened it up at the right, on his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. Revelation 10-2. 10-2. No, yes, and if y'all wanted to talk that back and forth, I can hang up, but I was just... Jacob had mentioned so much about this small little book or, or scroll. It depends on what version you have, how, how it's described. That is interesting. I'm not sure if we're ever told what that book was in that book, are we? Um, but, I mean, if it's not part of the deal, that's fine, but I, uh-huh. you know, I had a few minutes to look. I don't know if Good. Jacob what? had... He mentioned something about a small book, and so I was curious... Did I find that small book in Revelation? Have you seen in the book of Revelation? You know, Jacob, he'll give some, uh, Harold, he'll give yeah. some thought to it, yeah. and we'll see if we can kind of, it's in uh, Revelation chapter 10. Uh, what do you think it means, Harold? Uh, uh, Harold is gone. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I hit I'm the sorry. wrong button. And But uh, it, I saw a mighty wow. angel. His face shone like the sun. His feet oh, were like pillars God. of fire. In his hand was a small scroll oh. that had been opened. He stood with his right hand on the sea, right. his left hand on the land. He gave a great shout like a roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered, and so on and so on. But uh, I'm not sure we're ever told what is in that well, small book. Well, as I say, what's fascinating is the the name of that Christian scripture, the book of Revelation, if I take Revelation back into the Hebrew, it actually is Megillah. Now, Megillah means two things, one scroll, and the other second meaning is Revelation. So, and that's really what the book of Esther is, and Esther is like hidden. I see. But Megillah, in that particular instance, is not just a scroll, but hidden, so a revelation. So you got the revelation of the hidden. So I think that's relevant to probably what Harold's talking about. Okay. Well, it, te- it says here that this, that we do hear a little, it says, Go and take the open scroll, the angel, the voice from heaven says to John, Go and take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. He says, Take it and eat it. It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it will turn sour in your stomach. So I took the small scroll from the hand of the angel. I ate it. It was sweet in my mouth, and when I swallowed it, it turned sour in my stomach. This I was told, you must prophesy again about or preach to, about many people, nations, languages, and kings. Interesting. I I don't know. And you know when uh, Goliath, he took, he had five stones. Uh-huh. David had five stones. Uh-huh. Who did? David, right? I meant. David. Oh, you said sons. Uh, well, Okay. Well, let's let's go, let's go start there. again. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, actually, David took five stones. Uh-huh. Goliath was killed by one, and uh, there is a teaching and a common understanding that Goliath had four brothers. Therefore, David had four other stones. <laughs> Just in case the brothers yeah, came. So out. Uh, that is fascinating when you th- when you look at it that way. So, but. Uh, any rate, so where are we at on this thing? I would ask about the question. One of the special questions I ask is mm-hmm. we learn later on, many, many centuries later mm-hmm. after this, that uh, David kills Goliath. Yes. We know the famous story. Yes. He cuts off his head. Yes, he does. He cuts off Goliath's head, remember? And, and I never have maybe noticed 
what happened to Goliath's head mm-hmm. there well, in the book of Samuel. Do you know? I mean, yeah, well, tell, the Bible says. Well, tell me know. where, I Jacob. Know I know, but the oh, Bible. Oh, yeah, there you go. Make, make me feel if guilty. You'll, if, you'll, if you'll be so kind to look. Make me in, feel ignorant, but where your, is it? No, 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 no. I know, I know. I'm kidding you. Um, if you look uh, in First uh, Samuel 17, 54, I believe, I I think you're going to get an answer. Perhaps you'd be kind enough to share. I'm looking it up as fast as I can get to it here. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 54. Wow, it's a long chapter. David kills Goliath, starting in verse 32. <clears throat> David used, uh, after he had hit him with the, uh, oh, it's a great story, you know. Uh, Goliath curses at him and, and tries to insult God, you know, Israel and, and the God of Israel. And so David, uh, um, he says, uh, he says, uh, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of you and your of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And he Goliath moves closer to attack David. He, David runs out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, takes out one of those five stones. He hurls it with his sling and hit the Philistine. And one of our questions is, where did he hit him? Do you, do you happen to know the answer to that? It's found in chapter 17, verse 40, uh, 48 here. So David triumphed over the Philistine with the sling. He ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and used it to cut off his head. But are we told what happens to that head? Well, what does it say in year 54? Oh, okay. Then the Israelite army returned, plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem. Uh Aha. But he stored the man's army in his own tent. Okay, so we know that David took it. And then a couple chapters later, it says he traveled to different cities, and he took it over there to Jerusalem. And that when you look in the New Testament, you'll find some places interpreted the skull, which is Goliath's skull. Some will use the word Golgotha, which means Goliath of Goth. So that is, as David took it there and buried it there. So you see, uh, in one sense, that little David did this. Now, I'm going to make the Christian listeners, very, very happy. Well, we're told that Golgotha, the, the, uh-huh. the hill upon which Jesus was crucified, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called the place of the skull, mm-hmm. and I, the general idea is that somehow it looked like a skull, but mm-hmm. you're saying that it, it relates all the way back to the skull, the the, well, the head of Goliath is of buried there. Of course. Ah, and that's so, amazing. And remember the prophecy as Goliath of Goth, about yeah. the, your heel will Crush the skull. Oh my lands! Now, do you get the idea? Now, that's Genesis not, that's chapter not make, uh, three. Does not make your Christian listeners happy. <laughs> yeah, we forgive you for. Forgive <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah. All those, are, everything's forgiven. Oh, no, in Genesis home, chapter three, verse fifteen, <laughs> the serpent tells. Uh, I mean, uh, God tells the serpent, "I'm going to put hatred and enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and and hers, and he, the seed, it'll be a male of the human species. It won't be an extraterrestrial. Won't be an angel. It's going to be a, a human." male will be this redeemer this savior this is the first uh 
the okay, first kind of he a gets crucified, hint. And where does he get crucified? On that hill. And what's happened? His heel is above what? The skull. The ah, skull. So, see, I've just given he you will, something. He says, you will bruise his heels, but he will crush your head. And here we are on Golgotha, uh-huh. the Mount of Goliath. Right. I've got his crushing the skull. Uh, it's just so, it's just, see what I mean by it's almost the biblical narrative and the the, the message as it rolls out, the more detail I ever understand about it, about its detail, about its truth, about the things that happened and the things that were said and done, it just it just seems so seamless, so beautiful, and so perfect. Um, uh, uh, thank you. That's a great, great truth. So, so Murph is satisfied. Okay. Yes, we need to answer the questions. Uh, number thirty. Yes. Who brought the news of death of the death of Saul and Jonathan to David, and what happened to that person? Second Samuel one fifteen. Well, just to score, I got a minute. Go ahead and talk. Okay, it was an Amalekite man, uh, evidently serving. Uh, who? An Amalekite. Amalekite. Who was serving in the army of uh, of uh, right. Saul and David? Uh, David, I guess, right? No, 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 no. He he's the enemy. He comes along. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. He's look, oh, he's the enemy. Actually, he comes along and he said, and he he lies. Uh, that's right. He lies. He said, "Hey, I ran across Saul," and he, he okay, and he didn't yeah. kill him, but he said he killed him, he, and he took the crown to yes. David. David, Saul and Jonathan were killed by the Philistines uh, in this battle, uh, and this Amalekite man evidently coming raiding the uh, the. Uh, the uh, battle well, site, whatever. He looking for stuff. He finds, what, some, and he finds them already dead, and he brings the uh, crown. Crown. Now, hold on. Uh-huh. Hold on a second. And a bracelet. He, yeah. he, okay, he does that, but he brings it to David. The Amalekite, thinking that David would be happy. Yeah, in, but the Mal- he's the Malachite's lying, isn't he? Yes, he's an Amalekite, a descent, uh, an ancestor of the Haman and the whole group, the Amalekites. Now, does this remind you of any story? If I had more time, I'd do a longer thing. But it's the story from Genesis 14, chapter 21, verses 22-23. Okay. And what happens? Abraham is met by a guy who's the king of someplace, Sodom. And he says, hey, you can keep the people. And, he, and, and Abraham says, no, I would not give you even like one shoelace. Wow. So what we got is we got another guy trying to take credit for the acts of God, the acts of Abraham. And so that same theme carries forward. And now you got another Amalekite telling a lie and trying to take credit. And if he gives the crown to David, it'll be as though the Amalekite, the bad guy, crowned David. That's why Abraham could not give anything to this king of Sodom, uh-huh. because it would be, because you, because as Abraham said, you'll say that you made me rich. You're talking about plunder in a way, right? Give some of the plunder or well, the rewards. Yes, he is, but, he, but it actually says that you will tell everybody you made me rich, and you didn't. Uh-huh. So I won't even give you a shoelace. So that's the same story repeated, that always the bad guy wants to take credit for something else that God did. He said he killed Saul at Saul's request, and he brought the crown and bracelet to David. And But the the final part of the question is what happened to him and that's Second Samuel chapter one verse fifteen, and David kills him. It's David kills him. What do you make of that? Well, the other questions are: David killed Goliath with one stone from his slingshot, hit him right in the forehead, you might say right between the eyes. 
Folks, that's our program tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. We hope you've had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. See you next Sunday here Thank on The Bible Live. Next week will be very The Bible Live is so dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.